This is Jim Mosley, your host on the Bible History Guy radio broadcast, sponsored by Winterwood Creative. We're dedicated to turning doubt into Christian faith through facts. So if you have questions about God or the Bible that you would like answered, you can reach me through our website, www.thebiblehistoryguy.com. Or you can email me directly at jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. Once upon a time, Jamie and Sasha were helping their big sister Natalie to trim the Christmas tree with mom and dad. When all the lights were winking among the emerald boughs, the children turned their attention to the stockings over the fireplace, which made them think about what kind of cookies to put out for Santa Claus, which made them ask the inevitable question. Dad, is Santa Claus real? And Dad replied, of course he is. The children were stunned. He is? asked Jamie with widening eyes. He is? echoed Sasha, for Sasha always echoed Jamie. Absolutely, smiled Dad. You mean like Bugs Bunny is real, said Jamie wisely. Pretend real. No, said Dad. I mean as real as you or I. Is he alive? asked Jamie. Very much alive, said Dad. Does he live at the North Pole? asked Sasha, jumping up and down. And have flying reindeer? asked Jamie. No, no, laughed Dad. Nothing like that. All those things came later, much later. Santa Claus has quite a different story. Would you like to hear? A story, shouted Sasha. Sure, said Jamie. Well then, come over and sit by the fire, and I'll tell you why we really put these stockings over the hearth. So Dad and the family sat in the firelight's glow as the story began. Far away in Turkey, in the city of Myra, long ago, in fact, 17 centuries ago, there lived a bishop called Nicholas. He was born only 280 years after Christ. His parents were wealthy, but they died young and left Nicholas a fortune. But young Nicholas gave all his wealth to the poor and joined the church. In time, he became the Bishop of Myra. Bishop Nicholas was a simple man who knew the Lord Jesus and loved him. He prayed every day. He told the Bible stories to the simple folk so that they could hear the parables and lessons of our Lord. He preached in a powerful way. So, when the rich citizens of Myra heard his sermons, they were always moved to give him money. But Bishop Nicholas never kept any for himself. He gave all he had to help the poor. Yet strangely, he never seemed to go wanting. One evening, Bishop Nicholas was strolling through the streets of Myra when he heard sad voices, sobbing in fact, coming through the window of a nearby house. He didn't like to eavesdrop, but his heart always urged him to help unhappy people. So he stood under the open window and cupped his ear. A poor man named Dioscorides was talking to his three unhappy daughters. Since your mother died, I have tried my hand at all kinds of work, and every job has failed. Now I am completely out of money. I cannot support you any longer. Tomorrow you must leave my house. I have no dowry to give you, so no young men in Myra will take you for wives. You must live in the streets and do as well as you can. I'm sorry. The girls sobbed, but the oldest said, We will obey you, father. You have done your best. We will manage somehow, said the middle daughter. God will show the way, said the littlest. Bishop Nicholas grew red with anger at the father's words. 
Did he not know that a father's duty is to sacrifice for his children, even as the Lord laid down his life for his sheep? Where was this man's faith? Did he not know that no matter how bad things look, God always will provide? The bishop clasped his hands behind his back and paced through the alleys of Myra, thinking. He must not let those brave girls end up in the streets. He wanted to help them, but somehow he must also give the Oscuridis a lesson in faith. What he needed was a miracle. And then an idea struck him. Running to the church, Nicholas shouted for the sacristan to ring the bells. The call to prayer boomed among the towers of Myra and rang across the fields. The church bells normally rang only for two things, to call the faithful to worship and to warn the city of danger. All the people raced to the house of God, rich and poor. Bishop Nicholas mounted his pulpit and began to preach. You people of Myra, he cried, you live in luxury and enjoy all of God's blessings, but you never stop to think. There are some among you who are on their knees this very day praying to Almighty God for a few pennies. The Lord certainly will care for them without your help, but here is your chance to please God by letting him give through you. Do not hesitate, for you cannot outgive the Almighty. Do not miss the chance to please your heavenly Father today. And so fiery was his sermon that all the people of Myra were moved to tears. They opened their purses and built a hill of coins upon the altar. No one shall go hungry or homeless in our city today, they cried. Bishop Nicholas was moved to tears. Here was a people in whom the Spirit of God was truly alive. The bishop took the gold and poured it into a sock. Then he tied the top of the sock into a knot and trickled into the shadowy streets of Myra. Softly, he made his way to the house of Dioscorides and crouched below the open window. The only sound was a gentle snoring. Nicholas grew angry again. Dioscorides' daughters would be out in the street tomorrow morning, and here he was, sleeping, purring like a kitten. The bishop heaved the sock through the open window and cupped his ear with his hand. Bonk! The gold biffed Dioscorides on the head. Oh! he cried. Grinning, Bishop Nicholas beetled off in the shadows. Dioscorides lit a lamp and opened the sock. The gold shone red in the candlelight. For a moment, he couldn't believe his eyes. He leaned out the window but saw no one. It must be from God, he thought a little fearfully. Then he called his daughters, and the whole family gave thanks to the Lord. The next afternoon, very satisfied and very curious, the bishop strolled past Dioscorides' house, expecting to see preparations for three weddings. Instead, he was shocked to hear tragic voices again. Once more, he sidled up to the wall beneath the open window and cupped his ear. Dioscorides was speaking. God has indeed provided my children, but not enough for all of you. I have to pay my debts with some of this gold, and what's left is not dowry enough for three. Only one of you can get married. The other two, alas, must still leave this house and seek their fortunes. You may decide for yourselves which of you shall have the gold. Let our oldest sister be married, said the youngest girl. Yes, that is the custom, said the middle one. No, said the oldest. 
Let our littlest sister have a husband. We too can take care of ourselves. Nicholas' cheeks burned with tears. What noble daughters! What a cowardly father! He raced to the church and bellowed again at the sleepy sacristan. Sound the bells! The carillon resounded from the city walls. Nicholas took the bell ropes himself and swung from them with all his might. Merchants waddled in from the bazaar. Farmers sprinted from their fields. So urgently did the bells peal. The citizens feared it was an attack of pirates. But Bishop Nicholas mounted the pulpit and thundered the most fiery sermon of his life. Dear ones, our Lord said whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Oh, citizens of Myra, there are people among us in fear and need. Today, truly, God in heaven will see who in this city are his good and faithful servants. And those good believers of ancient Myra, with a cheerful heart, scattered coins upon the altar, glorifying God. They built a tower of coins, twice the height of the pile before. Now Bishop Nicholas took two more socks, thinking, I will make it very clear this time that these are two dowries. He poured the coins inside, tied their tops, and tiptoed into the darkening streets again. He crouched beneath Dioscorides' window, hurled the socks inside, and once again, boink, bonk, ow, ow! Dioscorides felt the double generosity of God. But this time, as Bishop Nicholas slipped away through the shadows, the old village watchman spied him and pondered. The next day, with dowry enough for all, the three girls sang a hymn of thanks from their housetop. The whole city buzzed with the miracle of gold that God had thrown through the Oscarides' window, tied up in three socks, one for the father, one for the son, and one for the Holy Spirit. Then the sons of the three richest merchants in Myra came to ask Dioscorides for the hands of his beautiful daughters, for they clearly had found favor with God. Dioscorides fell to his knees in tears. How wrong I was, he sobbed, to stop trusting God with my family. But the old village watchman had begun to put two and two together. He told the whole city how he had seen the bishop scurrying away from the scene of the miracle. Everyone in Myra rushed to the church, shouting, Hurrah for our sainted Nicholas! The citizens lifted Nicholas to their shoulders and carried him around the marketplace with a joyful noise. The bishop protested, reminding them that Jesus had instructed us to give only in secret, but nothing could stop the glad procession. And so, after many years, the church made Nicholas a saint, and Saint Nicholas he was called. His feast day is December 6th, 19 days before Christmas. The feast of Saint Nicholas ushers in the Christmas season with the spirit of giving in secret. So Nicholas also became known as Father Christmas. His story and the processions carrying his icon around the marketplace went on for hundreds of years. As the Christian faith spread in England, they called him Saint Nick for short. In Northern Europe, the mud and wattle huts of the Dark Ages had no windows, but they did have chimneys. So the minstrels sang of Saint Nick dropping gold down the chimney. 
Eventually, the storytellers had old Saint Nick drifting down the chimney himself. In Germany and Holland, the word for saint is Sancta or Sinte, which sounds like Santa, and the nickname for Niklaus is Klaus, so our Dutch-German ancestors called him Santa Claus. Today, we remember Bishop Nicholas' secret gift of gold in the socks by hanging stockings by the chimney on Christmas Eve and filling them with anonymous presents, which we often wrap in colorful paper to keep them secret until Christmas Day. So you see, concluded Dad, Santa Claus was very real after all. But you also said he was still alive, said Natalie. And so he is, smiled Dad, for he loved the Lord. So his name is written, like each of ours, in the book of life. He lives today with our Lord Jesus as one day we all shall. And I have no doubt that on that wonderful day, when at last he met his maker face to face, Nicholas saw the Lord smile and say, Well done, my good and faithful servant. Merry Christmas, smiled Mom. Merry Christmas, all the children replied. You've been listening to Jim Mosley, your host on the Bible History Guy radio broadcast, sponsored by Winterwood Creative. My latest book, The Biographies of Jesus' Apostles, will take you back in time and help you walk with the followers of Christ and get to know them as never before. And right now, we have a special time-limited offer for you. That's 50% off the cover price or the Amazon Kindle version of the book for only $2.99. But hurry, because this is a limited time offer. Just go to our website, thebiblehistoryguy.com. Click on New Books. And if you want the paperback, click on the paperback link and input the coupon code SAVE50. That's S-A-V-E-5-0. SAVE50 for 50% off the paperback price. If you want the Amazon Kindle for $2.99, click on that link and it will take you right to the Kindle page. If you enjoy the book, leave a positive review. And if you want to contact me directly, my email is jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com. That's jim at thebiblehistoryguy.com.